Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. So our reading for tonight is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 11. Um, I don't know what number that is on the page in the Pew Bible, because I'm reading it off my phone, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting from verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you so much, Veronica, for reading for us. Let's, let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we, we come to your word longing to hear from you and to hear from you in a way that will change not just our, our minds, but our hearts and our whole lives too. Please be with us, be working in us. Open our eyes to see wonderful things about you, true things about you and ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, on Wednesday this week, as you may be aware, Taylor Swift gave the commencement address at New York University. Here is a picture of her. And um, as is so often the case uh, with these speeches, it was wonderfully well delivered, um, some good good jokes, full of extraordinary testimonies uh, and so whatever measure you use you know you feel this lady she's gone a long way in life but one thing that really stood out for me was how she zeroed in on identity and this is what she said she said I know it can be really overwhelming figuring out who to be 
and when, who you are now and how to act in order to get where you want to go. I have some good news. It's totally up to you. I also have some terrifying news. It's totally up to you. I wonder what you make of that. Our our identity, who we think we are, matters. Of course it does. It's, It's how we how we make sense of our lives is the stories we tell one another about ourselves. They, they help us navigate our world. And I think she's, she's bang on to address that subject for her audience there. It's absolutely it's like the question of our moment. Who am I? Now, do you see what she's saying about identity? She's saying it's totally up to you. Who you are is totally up to you. I wonder what you think of those those words. Now, on the one hand, I think those words capture something really positive about our culture, something of the, the dignity that we give to each individual person in, in our world. We, all of us, are encouraged in our world. We're not to feel like we have to shoehorn ourselves into the expectations of others or, or our society at large. We are allowed, we're supposed to pay attention to to the distinctive gifts we've been given, to pursue those. We're encouraged to think, who am I? And then pursue that with freedom and and responsibility, and that's great. But they also reveal some of the struggle we have around identity. Now, this this quote, the way Taylor Swift says it, it's all kind of quite upbeat and positive. But I want you to just pay attention to the actual words she's saying. Because if you think about it for a moment... This is pretty tough. She says it can be overwhelming figuring out who to be. I wonder whether you've ever felt that, overwhelmed, or you just just can't work this one out. She says too, actually, that it's terrifying when it's all up to us. And there too, she's telling the truth. In a number of ways, she captures there where we've got to in our series on on identity. In the first week, we looked at our identity and creation, how every single one of us is created by God. We're made in his image, and that gives us amazing worth. And then last week, we explored um, how, what the Bible has to say about our struggle with identity, how we are our bodies, but we kind of struggle with our bodies, how the, we are one person, but also our hearts are divided between good and evil. And we thought about how not only do we, we fail to live out that kind of humble dignity that the Lord has given us as his creatures, we actually, it's kind of in our nature, we, we assume an identity that is not ours. Do you remember what it's like in the garden there? Adam and Eve, they're there, and, and we're the same as them. They want to decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong. And in that sense, every human person is, is faced with an identity of sorts. Do we want to be like God, deciding what's right and what's wrong for ourselves? And that's where we got to at the end of last week. And, and I had a good conversation with, um, with Emily Speed this week. I'm sorry if you came last week and you felt a bit sort of kind of down at the end of last week. I was, we were trying to go down some blind alleys and show where it is, but it's quite hard stuff, isn't it? Uh, and I hope that you already feel somewhat reorientated today. Today, we're going up the other side as it were. We are looking for a way forward. 
Now, I really encourage you, if you're starting out with this series today, do go back and listen to those, because in a sense, today is the answer to the problems that we had before. You won't really get it without that. But today, we come to that way forward. We come to the heart of the amazing good news of the Christian faith, which is an amazing answer to this really difficult question of who we are. When we come to Christ, when we're joined to him, God makes us new. He gives us a new way of understanding who we are, a new way of making sense of our lives. And we come to understand in a whole new way, as we've been singing these last few weeks, a number of times we're going to sing it later on, I am who you, God, I am who you say I am. Now, when you get to that point where you are able to say, I am who you say I am, something very paradoxical happens. We, we begin to learn to let go of what the world around us says about us, to let go a bit of what our inner thoughts say about us, and instead embrace who God says we are, and in so doing, become even more truly ourselves. And that's a little bit what we're going to explore today. And just so you know where we're going, I'm going to finish today's teaching with, with an invitation. It's an invitation to everyone here to find your identity in Christ. Now, for some of us, I hope that that's going to be a chance to remember what we already know, to be comforted, to be strengthened afresh by that. But for some, perhaps, this evening, that invitation is something that's going to come for the first time for you. Today might be that day for you to accept that identity personally for the first time, to say to God, yes, I I want this new identity from you. I want you to define who I am from now on. One more thing before I I get going. It's been really exciting to just see how we've been engaging, different people have been engaging with this topic. It's challenging stuff. I really hope you're able to explore Um, your questions about identity with one another after this and and with others here at church. To help you think a bit further about this, Natasha, who leads our discipleship stream, she's going to be pulling together some resources, some articles and podcasts, which we hope to make available to you. I also hope to make it around personally, some of the small groups for some Q&A. And obviously, as ever, feel free to come and uh, talk to me after service, have a chat with me at another time. I'd love to explore some of these big questions with you. One big idea for today, you are united with Christ. If you're a Christian, you are united with Christ. And that changes your identity. Two dimensions of that I just want to explore today. It makes you righteous in Christ. And it makes you a child of God. So first of all, you are united with Christ. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you are united with him. Now, if you like to follow uh, the scriptures on your device, have a look if you can find Galatians 2.20. I'm just going to read this brief verse. It's a powerful verse, and I'd love you to follow it. If not, uh, grab a Bible. It's right in front of you, and turn to page 1,179, Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. And uh, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Just read that one more time. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. Now, what does this mean? Well, you can see Paul, is, he's trying to explain something absolutely mind-boggling because he's right on the edge of human logic. If you follow it very carefully, he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, which is a bit of a strange thing to say, isn't it? I no longer live. I mean, obviously, he kind of does. And actually, he says that afterwards. He says, I do have a life, which I live in the body. So, Paul, what are you saying? You know, do you still live or do you not live? And anyway, what does that even mean? Because you're clearly alive because you're writing this letter. Well, it's kind of both. His experience of, of being a Christian is that he has a new identity. He, he feels like he's become one with Christ. He says, Christ lives in me. If you read the rest of his letters, he puts it the other way around as well sometimes. He says, I am in Christ. Christ in us, we are in Christ. The kind of expressions of the same basic principle. If I'm a believer, I am united with Christ. And that makes me something new. Now, I don't know whether this illustration is going to work for you, but uh, I heard it used. I think, I think it helped me. Think of this in terms of airplanes, okay? So it's your summer holiday. Uh, you're at Gatwick in one of the boarding lounges, and you're watching your EasyJet plane uh, get refueled. All the baggage goes on it. Uh, and then the doors close, and, and it pushes back, and uh, it taxis away to take off to Turkey. Now, you can adopt a variety of different positions, approaches to this plane. You can stand in front of the plane. You could be underneath the plane. Uh, you could be around the plane. You could be behind the plane. You could be above the plane. If, if you want to get the benefit from that plane, you need to get yourself in the plane. Because it's only when you're in it that really like, life changes. When you get in that plane, it's fantastic. Because when it takes off, so do you. When it goes off over the Mediterranean, so do you. And when it lands in that kind of sunlit uplands of wherever you are in, in Turkey and you, know, you feel the balmy air, so do you. You want to be in the plane. Once you're in it, you're going wherever it goes. And a tiny bit, it's a little bit like that with the Lord Jesus. We spend a lot of time kind of stepping around Jesus, looking at him from different sides and you know, wondering who he is. But what he wants us to do is to be in him. And when you put your faith in Christ, you become mystically joined with him. And yes, I did just say the word mystically, which doesn't usually happen in evangelical churches, but that's because it's true. You get mystically joined with Christ. So Paul the Apostle says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, just to be absolutely clear about this, the Apostle Paul was not hanging on the cross at Calvary. He, he wasn't attached to that piece of wood. And yet, such is the union between him and Christ and Jesus. He says, it's as if I had. So Christ was crucified, and so was Paul. And actually, if you're a believer, so were you. Your sin was dealt with at the cross. When he was raised, you were raised. Okay, you weren't around 2,000 years ago, but as good as raised, your eternal life was established, grounded, and guaranteed then. And the life you now live is also him living in you. If you put your faith in Christ, you have 
a new identity. You are united with Christ. Now, before we move on, I want to ask you, have you ever thought of your faith like that? We, thought, we think about our faith in all sorts of different ways, don't we? Sometimes, uh, perhaps, we, we, we think of our faith as a kind of get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah? Something, we go along in life, and we pick up that card. Oh, that'll be useful. Stick that in the back pocket. And then we get to the pearly gates. Oh, I, I have, yes, I have this one here. Please let me in. We can think of our faith as a community activity. Well, what does my faith mean? It means I, I gather with certain people on a, on a Sunday. I do some things at church. We can think of our faith as a kind of self-improvement thing. My faith is a thing that I use to cope with the challenges and opportunities of life. Now, actually, all three of those have got some truth about them. But they're quite surface level. This is how the Apostle Paul thought about his faith. He said, to be a Christian means to be united with Christ. You are one with Christ. Now, don't say it, but just think it for a moment. Try thinking, I am one with Christ. When you say those words, does that blow your mind? Is that familiar territory to you? Have you ever thought about that? I am one with Christ. If you put your faith in him, everything about you is completely wrapped up in him. All right. Now, as I said earlier, if you, if you haven't thought about the Christian faith like this before, there, there's so much to explore here. I, I don't want to overwhelm it. It needs some time to explore. But let, let me just share with you a couple of elements of that. Right? Number one, being united with Christ means you are righteous in Christ. Righteous in Christ. Righteous uh, just, just means good or upright. Uh, to say we, we are righteous it should actually seem initially like quite a strange thing to say, particularly if you've been listening to this series and you worked through last week. Deep down, we don't feel very righteous at all, and the Scripture tells us we're not in many ways. One of our great struggles with identity is that when we're really honest, we take a deep, warts and all, honest look at ourselves inside, we don't feel very good at all, not even by our own standards. And of course, God's standards are much higher still. We see that our hearts are often set against God and that he is set against us. How on earth could we be righteous? But here's the good news of the gospel. God doesn't treat us like that. He doesn't count our sins against us. If you've still got 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, open, please do turn to it. If not, page uh, 1171 or dial it up on your phone. 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says this, God was, reconciling him, uh, sorry, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Here's the important bit. Not counting people's sins against them. Through Jesus' death, God is able to not count our sins against us. Now, how does he do that? Well, he does it by an identity swap. Just scroll down uh, to, to the end of that, uh, that section, verse 21. Here, here he explains. God made him who had no sin 
to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There is a great exchange here. Christ became sin. The the, the sinless Savior, he identified with us. He took on our sin, though he had none of his own. He suffered the punishment of the cross. And in exchange, we become the righteousness of God. It's not that we don't sin. And if you've been around in church, you will have noticed that that is manifestly not the case, whoever we are. This is about how God sees us, how we're treated. Jesus was treated as if he were us, simple, so that we might be treated as if we were him, righteous. What's this like? Well, perhaps you found yourself in debt at some stage in your life, and there was seemingly no way to pay it off. And and then suddenly someone came in and and just paid off your debt. They said, no, 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 there's there's no debt to pay anymore. Cancelled it. Paid it all down. That's what it's like. In Christ, you're righteous. You have nothing to pay. Or think of a criminal record, um, a long prison sentence or or a fine or, or something hanging over you. A time that has to be served before you can go free. And then before it even begins, somehow the judgment is erased. You're declared innocent. The sentence is withdrawn. You're free. And that's what it's like to be in Christ. You're righteous. No hint of blame can stick on you. In Christ, God sees you as righteous. Now, if that's how God sees you, I wonder whether you're able to see yourself like that. Can you imagine that you might be standing in front of the Lord, and because of what Jesus has done, he looks at you and goes, righteous, perfect. Do you know that you have that status? Do you know that nothing can take it away? Do you know that no sin or failure hanging over from your past, no fear or anxiety about what you might do in the future, no sense of condemnation from inside or from outside can overturn that fact that you are righteous in Christ? Now, to many people... This sounds quite scandalous. How can that possibly be the case? If you've done a whole load of stuff wrong, how can you just be treated as if you're righteous? How can I possibly be treated as if I have a clean slate? But in Christ, you are. That's how it works. It's not something that I've achieved or you have achieved. It's something that we only have because we're united to Christ. In Christ, you are righteous. Second, Uh, Being united with Christ means you are a child of God. That's what we've been singing about this evening. It's wonderful. I want to go back with you to a story which I'm sure most of us are very familiar with. It's the story of the prodigal son. I shared it a couple of weeks back. Do you remember the story that Jesus told? Uh, the, The prodigal son basically wishes his father dead. He heads off from the family home. He spends all his inheritance on on wild living, and then he runs out of funds. And he hits rock bottom and decides to return. Now, so much of the son's actions up to now basically are a denial of his family connection. He's like, I'm I'm done with my family. He's walked out completely. And so as he's coming back, he really feels that. And he he sees himself not really as a, it can't be a son anymore. Um, he, He reckons he's blown that once and for all. 
And so he says this, I, I will set out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired servants. And so he gets up and goes to his father. And then we have a verse that I'm sure is a, is a real favorite for so many of us. It goes on like this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Now, just see what's happening here. By rights, the father could have asked the son to pay off the debt or, or at least to sit out in the doghouse for a good long time before you know, he can face him. But with this outrageous generosity, the father takes the son and he just reinstates him. This is from today, straight away. You are, you're back as my son. And then he even throws this great big party to make the point. It's just amazing love. And that is true for every single one of us if we put our faith in Christ. The Bible talks about what Jesus has achieved for us as adoption to sonship. So God takes us and in Christ adopts us, makes us his child. Now we've been singing that this evening, but I really want to ask you, do you know that you are a child of God? Do you see yourself as that? You know, perhaps you're still a little bit sort of down the track, still with the, with the sun going, oh, I just got around. That's my excuses that I'm going to tell God and explain why I haven't really got everything right. And could I just sort of be a little bit on the outside? Because, you know, I'll try and work it. I'll try and make it out. Is that what's going on in your head? Or can you say, I am a child of God? You know, it's so easy to see less than that. To think like the prodigal that the best we could ever be in the household of God is a hired servant. The best that we're ever going to achieve is, is, is to be someone working off our debts in the corner. But Jesus said, different part of the scriptures, I am not ashamed to call you brother or sister. Jesus looks at you, he says, I am not ashamed. I will sit right next to you and you will be in my family with as much right to be there as any other person. If you have put your trust in God, you are his child with all the honor that bestows on you. And yes, there's going to be days when you don't feel like it very much. Perhaps you don't feel like it this evening. There's going to be days when you don't live it up, live up to it very much. Perhaps for many days you don't live up to it. But that's not the thing that makes you a child. You were never that child on the basis of your performance anyway. It's all from him. In Christ, that's what you are. And one day, if you like, the, the papers are going to be read out. Here are, here are the people in the family of God. And your name will be there. The Almighty God has resolved for eternity to share his fulfilled kingdom with his children, and you are one of them. 
If you have put your faith in Christ, whisper it to yourself in the quiet, in your mind. John is a child. Put your name in there. You are a child of God. You're united in, with Christ. You're, you're righteous in Christ. In Christ, you're a child of God. Now, where does that leave us uh, for today? Well, last Sunday, we, we explored the, the difficulty of discovering identity when, when we only look inside. Often when we just look inside about who we are, we, we seem to never quite arrive at who, 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 who we are. Uh, sometimes we, we let other people determine our identity, and we, just, we, we absorb what they say we are. And so we find ourselves knocked about by whatever superficial opinions may be floating around. The answer is not to look inside. It's not to look around. The answer is to lift our eyes away from ourselves and to find our identity in Christ. And that is an identity. It doesn't exclude all the other things that we've been made, made to be, but it's, it's one that underpins everything else. It's the foundation on which everything else is built. And I want to invite you this evening to find your identity there. Find your identity in Christ. Perhaps today is a day to just refresh that. We're going to have a chance to do that in just a moment, to refocus on who we are in Christ, to find a fresh grounding. Take, take your time to, to, to work some of that through. Sam's going to help us think about that in just a moment. But as I said at the beginning, I, I also want to speak to those for whom perhaps today is a time to make that reality for yourself for the first time. You, you know, you, you've, up till now, you've never, you've never got to that place to say, I am a child of God. You, you've never seen yourself as righteous in his sight. If you're ready to receive that identity that the Lord wants to give to you, here is a prayer that you can say. I'm going, to, I'm going to read out the prayer, and then I'm going to say it again slowly. And you can just pray it in, in your own mind if you'd like to. And it may be that as you hear it, you think, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a big thought. Uh, I can't do that right now, but I'd like to think about that further. I'd love to speak to you afterwards. Why not make the most of the, the prayer ministry afterwards as well? Or, or take it just in, in your thoughts away with you and pray. Here's, here's the prayer that I'm going to read out. Almighty God, thank you that you made me, that your hands formed me, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, I know I've run away from your purposes for me. I've, I've shut off your voice. I've made myself God of my own life. And I'm sorry. Thank you that Jesus came to give me a new identity. Thank you that he died to take away my sin and rose to give me new life. Please, today, give me that new life and that new identity in Christ. From today, I want to live in him. Okay, I'm going to just, just, just take a moment of quiet, just have a little bit of a think. I'm going to read that quite slowly. If you want to say that in the quietness of your own mind, please do feel free to do that. Almighty God, thank you that you made me, that your hands formed me, 
that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know I've run away from your purposes for me. I've shut off your voice. I've made myself God of my own life. And I'm sorry. Thank you that Jesus came to give me a new identity. Thank you that he died to take away my sin and rose to give me new life. Please, today, give me that new life and that new identity. From today, I want to live in Christ. In his name, amen. Well, if you pray that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you're thinking about that, or why not chat to someone else who you've come with or, or someone here on the team. We'd love to support you as you consider that for yourself. I'm going to hand over now to Sam, who's just going to lead us in a little bit more of a time of reflection and response. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.